Glad you're here, and I'm John, if we haven't had a chance to meet, um, and I'm the pastor here. We're starting a brand new series today called We're Together, and I don't know if you caught this or noticed, but if you watch that video, all those pictures in there are people from Carolina Family Church, so it's kind of like a, it's like our own little living room happening there with all the pictures, and um, they didn't, nobody like gave permission to use the pictures, I just stole them off Facebook, so, uh, <laughs> but I thought it'd be, thought it'd be a nice surprise, I didn't think anyone would mind, I only chose pictures that people had used as their profile picture at one point or another, because I figured that was public enough that I could <laughs> go ahead and use that, but um, really glad y'all are here, we're starting uh, this series, We're Together, and the reason we're starting this series, doing this series, was actually a pivot, we were going to start something else, at least that was my plan, and then Um, During the last series, we did something called You Asked For It, where you all voted on what you wanted to hear preached for a few weeks, and we got so many requests for relationship-oriented subjects, I said, we obviously need to talk about this at length, and one message isn't going to do it. So we just took the series that was planned for this right now, moved it to next year, put it on the shelf, and um, decided to do this series called We're Together. And I get it. I understand how important this is to you because it's important to me. And it's amazing how when our relationships are going well, everything in life, even if it's going down the train, feels okay. But when our relationships aren't going well, even when everything else in life is going great, it feels like things are falling apart. Relationships have that kind of effect on us. So what we're going to do over the next six weeks is walk through some different stages of relationships, particularly romantic relationships, husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, that sort of thing. And so it's going to apply to everyone in the room, and I want to be clear about that because some of you might be, well, I'm single or I'm not married or, or whatever, and you're wondering if it's going to apply to you, and it will because the principles that we talk about can be applied across the board to any relationship that you have. All right, so today, though, we're going to start at the beginning, and we're going to talk about searching for the one, searching for the one. I'm not going to make those of you who are single raise your hands because I know that's awkward, although it does give you an opportunity to look around the room and take some notes. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you, but I tell you that, that being single can be hard in church sometimes. I get it because when you're single in church, I was single in church once, okay? Everybody's asking you when you're going to get married. Like, that's the expectation. When are you going to meet a nice girl and settle down? <laughs> you're like, I don't know, maybe never. You know? <laughs> so I know it can be hard. And sometimes in church, it feels like a bunch of married people talking about married people stuff. And, and we don't want it to be that. And so um, I hope that this message today is really helpful for you. And whether you are single or you know someone who is, or maybe you got teenage kids or something like that, young adult kids, uh, this is going to be helpful across the board. So we're going to talk about searching for the one. And the one is the most important relationship that you will ever have in your life. What if I told you, what if I told you I could introduce you to the one? What, what if I could, those of you particularly single, what if I could guarantee you without a shadow of a doubt, no question in my mind, I could guarantee you that you could not only meet the one, but you could meet him today. I'm serious, you're laughing like that's not possible. I, I, what if I could do that? What if I could promise you? And what if I could promise you that when you meet the one, they will be so perfectly created for you that you, could, you wouldn't ever want anyone else? You would never need anyone else. They will meet every single need that you have in your life, every need that you have for, for companionship, every need that you have in your life for significance, every need that you have in your life for peace, that this one can give you everything that you need. What if I told you they're shockingly easy to find and I could introduce you to them today? 
except you think I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you, um, they are not, they don't go to your school, all right, and they don't work with you. They are not going to be the server at the restaurant you go to today and hit on. It's not them. All right. You're not going to be you're not going to be walking in the rain in downtown Salisbury next week. And and as you're looking down, you're going to look up and your eyes are going to lock and your eyes are going to meet. And, you know, this is the one, you know, this is true love. That's not going to happen. They are not. They are not on match. And they're guaranteed. They are not on Tinder. I guarantee you that. But what if I told you that I could introduce you to them today? You think I'm kidding? (laughs) I'm not. Because the one is probably not who you think it is. In fact, the one is not a person as we think of them at all. The one is Jesus Christ. Here's the problem that we have. We are born, we are created to have a relationship with God, a close, intimate relationship with God. But we are also, because of the original sin, we are born with a sin nature that disconnects us from him. And so there's this relationship that we're created to have that we don't have on our own because sin blocks us from our relationship with God. And the only way that we can come to to completion in our relationship with him, to be fully complete, is to get back into that relationship with him. But what we do, instead of getting back into that relationship with him first, is we go try to find someone else that can fill the void that he's supposed to fill. And you, will, you are always set up for trouble when you're doing that. When you're going to look for another person to meet your emotional needs, you're going to someone else to meet your, your needs for significance and value, when you're going to someone else to meet your needs for, for peace in your life or, or fullness, you will always be let down. And so the first person that we need to go look for is not another person. It's not another human being. It's Jesus Christ, because that's what we were created for. And until we have that, we're never going to find it somewhere else in all the things that we want it to be or think that it should be. We can't. So we got to go find the one first. It's like, uh, it's been a while now, but you've seen that movie, Jerry Maguire? Anybody seen that? Where, like, where, uh, where Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger are like at each other the whole mo- movie, but then at some point they realize they're, they're like destined to be together. Like sh- She's the one, and then they, I don't remember which one of them says it, but they finally have that like sobby crying scene where there's tears all over Ren- Renee Zellweger's face, and, and, and they're looking at each other, and one of them says, you complete me. Oh, come on. <laughs> gross. Gross. No, and it's not even possible. <laughs> you know, my wife is not capable of completing me. She compliments me, but she can't complete me. Only God can complete me. So God, so he's the one. He's the one that we need to go find. And he's made that possible by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to earth, Jesus living a sinless life, Jesus dying on the cross to pay for our sin, to remove the barrier that's between us and him, and Jesus rises again, conquering sin and death. And when we turn to Jesus in faith and say, I've sinned, I've failed, I need you, forgive me, I believe in you, Jesus, then we enter into a relationship with God and we can finally start to become everything that God designed us to be. And God sends his Holy Spirit and he fills all those needs that we have so we don't need them from someone else. 
So th- that's got to be the one. And particularly, I know some of us are like, hey, we're married. That ship has sailed. Like, we already, <laughs> we already found the other one. Well, we, got, we can have some work to do. But particularly for those of you that are single, now, set this foundation now and say, I really want to search for the one. Don't get into a, a lifelong relationship with someone else until you've set up your eternal relationship with God. So if you're lonely, he wants to be the one who gives you companionship. If you're anxious, he's the one who wants to give you peace. If you're searching, he's the one who completes you. And here's the thing about singleness is that sometimes in the church, particularly, it can be treated like a disease. You know, like if you're single, we need to cure you of that. So we start like matchmaking and setting everybody up and trying to trying to find the one for you, because obviously you can't find it on your own. And so we start doing this thing when the truth is in Scripture, singleness is discussed and seen as a gift not as a disease. It is an opportunity, not a challenge. In fact, when you look at the scripture, almost everybody who did anything significant in the Bible was single. (laughs) Almost all of them. Like, who was that one guy? Right, Jesus. Okay? (laughs) He was single. Do you think he could have gone all the places he went? Do you think he could have done all the things that he did had he had a family? No, he would have had other concerns, right? In fact, he had a bunch of single people he hung out with, too. Mary Magdalene was single. Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, was single. All of them used to hang out in a place called Bethany. Like when Jesus needed a retreat, he would go and hang out with them in Bethany. And they had a a singles group, okay? But it was was for fellowship. It was for ministry. It was for rejuvenation. It wasn't wasn't a mingles group. So they weren't weren't just going there to try and find the one. They they were single, and they enjoyed it, and they used it as an opportunity and as a gift. Another guy who had a tremendous impact on our faith and was single was Paul. Paul wrote half the New Testament. You wonder, how did he have that much time to write? He was single. (laughs) He had a lot. His family were the churches. His family were the pastors. His family were were the people in all of these towns. And he said this, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if you want to turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, about halfway through the New Testament or so, he said this, I want you to be free from anxieties. <laughs> Everybody who's married, give a little chuckle. Okay? <laughs> he said, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man, the single man, is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. Any amens? Anybody? <laughs> like, you get that, right? Uh, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So Paul chose to be single because he knew he could put all of his focus and all of his attention would, would be on the Lord and not be divided with a family. And those of us that are married can tell you from first-hand experience, it's really hard to be devoted to any one thing solely because you have responsibilities to your spouse and to your kids and to other people in your family. Your responsibilities just grow. So Paul, and Paul's not given a command that all of us need to say single or anything here. In fact, earlier in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, um, and, and the, God doesn't say this, I say this. So this is just some old wisdom from your friend Paul. And um, he's saying, it's better if you can remain single and devote yourself to the Lord, that's better. Um, which may sound crazy because you don't hear that very much. 
And I, I hope today that for some of you, I might be able to lift a burden or a weight off of your shoulders because you thought that the path for a Christian, you thought the path you had to take was to find that one and to get married one day. And I want you to hear that you don't. Um, one of the best examples of that I can think of is uh, my wife's name is Jess, for those of you who don't know us, um, but Jess is Aunt Helen. Aunt Helen is uh, Jess's grandmother's sister, and she is 98 years old. And Aunt Helen made the decision when she was a young woman that she wanted to devote her entire life to the Lord and focus completely on what God wanted for her life rather than having a family. And so Aunt Helen is 98 years old and single by choice all of those years. She, um, the first time that I met Aunt Helen, she walked into the room, and I'm telling you, it's like the presence of God walked into the room. I've, I don't know that I've ever quite experienced it with anyone else, but I just felt, I almost felt like I had one door in heaven when Aunt Helen was in the room. She decided when she was young that she was going to stay single for her whole life and devote her entire life to the Lord, and so she spent First 12 years of adulthood in New York State schools, public schools, teaching Bible classes. And then she moved to Nova Scotia for 20 years and did the same, taught Bible classes in schools. And then she moved back home to New York when her health started to fail her. And she started Bible clubs in all of the schools around the area and taught Bible. And that's what she did until a few years ago when her health wouldn't allow her to do that anymore. And there are a lot of things that honor God. But when I look at her life, I can't think of anything better or more than what she's done. And so for some of you, I want you to consider that and think about that. Maybe that's what God has planned for you. And when you don't have a family and he says, I want you to go be a missionary in China, you can do it. You don't have to think twice about it. You can just go. And that may be what God has planned for you. Um, some of you might be like, not me, though. <laughs> because, because I want to find somebody. And there could be a lot of different reasons for that. It may be, you know, the companionship that you desire, the teamwork that you desire. When I think about me and my wife, it's all about teamwork. We're just, we're just the best team, I think, on the planet. That's why uh, if you go on social media, you see Team J. Allen. That's our hashtag, Team J. Allen, because we're a team. And, um, and so maybe you say, well, I, I do want to find someone. So Paul addresses that as he keeps, read, as he keeps writing um, in verse 36. It says, if anyone thinks he's not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong, are you getting what he's putting down there? You picking that up? All right. If he feels like maybe his passions are strong, can't control himself, right? Uh, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It's no sin. He said, that's fine. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and is determined in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So he sums, he sums this up in 38. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better, <laughs> says the single guy, you know. <laughs> but, uh, so, so, but some of you may say, well, I would like to get married, so how do I, I you know, we, we would say searching for the one, right? But, but I'm going to call it searching for the two, all right? So how do I search for the two? After I've established my relationship with God, how do I go find that person that I'm going to spend my life with that God has a plan for? And um, the process we would use for that is in, in our culture is called dating, right? Um, not, the other option would be a arranged marriage. Anybody arranged marriages? No? Okay, let's talk about dating then. So, uh, so we'll talk about dating, and I want to give you a few steps. If you want to date in the right way, if you want to look for this person in the right way, here's what uh, we need to do. First thing, refine your understanding of marriage. Refine your understanding of marriage. 
to have a healthy relationship leading to marriage that honors God, like if you want to date someone in the right way, you got to know what the end goal is. You need to know what that end goal looks like because when you understand what the end goal looks like, you can start set the foundation now for that later. And if you don't have a proper understanding of marriage now, you won't end up in the right place. It's going to be a rocky road as you go along in the process. So, so the first thing is to really understand what God says about marriage. So to, to grasp and dig into and really get scriptures like this, Ephesians 5, uh, 25 through 28, where it says, Husbands, love your wives. How? How are you supposed to love your wife? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So if you want a good relationship later and you want to look for that person you're going to spend your life with, you need to learn, guys, particularly speaking to you here, you need to learn how to be self-sacrificing now, how to be humble now, how to put her first now instead of putting yourself first. Otherwise, it's going to be hard to try and flip it over later and have a, a marriage that's healthy. Uh, after that. So what's, and what's your job? Verse 26, so that you might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she, she might be holy and without blemish. And so your job is to, to help your wife grow spiritually and to help her to be pure and help her to be full of joy and help her to be everything God's created her to be. So if that's what you're supposed to do later in marriage, that's what you have to do now as you date or you think about dating. So we got to get our mindset right around this thing. Looking at scripture is the first step. It says, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own body, he who loves his wife loves himself. And likewise, there's a bunch of stuff in here for, for wives as well. So familiarize yourself with what a God-honoring marriage looks like, and that's going to help you be the right person and set it up right now. Uh, another great thing you can do is to get around couples that you think are knocking it out of the park. Just spend time with them. Listen to them. Watch them. Watch how they interact with each other. Um, watch how they argue with each other when you get to witness that, because there's a way to argue well. And, and watch how they honor each other when they're in public instead of cutting each other down. I mean, notice these things and start putting them into your own character and into your relationship now. And it's a really good idea to fill yourself with good examples and remove all the bad examples. So Maybe it's, if you're looking to date, maybe, maybe it's time to, to, to cut out the garbage relationship TV that's filling your head with the wrong ways to do things. Like back when I was dating my wife and at the, uh, the turn of the century, uh, back when I was dating her at the turn of the century, it did not help our relationship for me to watch the real world. All right, that was not, I did not learn good relationship principles while watching that. I learned the wrong ones. So likewise, I would encourage you, you probably don't need to watch Are You the One on MTV, okay? Probably not going to learn great relationship principles from The Bachelor. It's not going to help you, all right? Catfish, no, not the way to go. All right, some of you know what that is, some of you don't. All right, stop, just try not to fill your head with all the wrong ideas because that, that'll mess you up now and it'll end up messing you up later. So refine your understanding of marriage. And I'll say, to be clear, you do not have to get your mind right before you come to God in faith. You don't have to get your life cleaned up before you come to God and start a relationship with him. But it's a pretty good idea to get your mind right and your life cleaned up before you get into a relationship with someone else. So, um, so work on yourself here to begin with. The second thing is to search for a spiritual partner. Search for a spiritual partner. And I want you to ask the, the question, what is the purpose of dating? Why am I doing this? Because there's a lot of different motivations why you might start dating. What's the difference between a friend and a girl? 
to me? What's the difference between a friend and a girlfriend? What are the, what are the differences? Now, the first thing that pops into mind is physical, right? Like they're 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 physical touching things that are different when you're in a relationship with somebody. Or uh, there's lots of other reasons you might go out and date. It might be financial, you know, because you're looking for some financial security, someone to take care of you, uh, to provide for your future. Um, and hey, at the very least, you know, like a girlfriend gives better presents than a regular friend, right? <laughs> so it, it might be a financial thing or it could be a status thing. Like, I just want to date this person because I want to be in a relate. I want everyone to know that I'm in a relationship, period. Or maybe it's because I want to be in a relationship with this person just because of who they are and what that makes me by being attached to them. All right, that could be another motivation. And I've been there, and I'll tell you, it doesn't end well. <laughs> Those things don't end well. I, I actually, in college, I dated a girl, and I'm telling you, she was nice, she was, she was great or whatever, but the, I was shallow, and the only reason that I dated her was because her dad was running for president. And I thought, I thought, man, date a girl whose dad's running for president? You would never have heard of him, but he was running. Uh, and, and I thought, man, that's a big deal. That makes me somebody. And uh, it was just terrible motivation for dating. And I went out with her a few times. And then the third time, I, I just, I was, I, we went to this party thing, and I was so bored. I just looked at her halfway through, and I said, I'm out of here. And I left, okay? And that just shows the condition. That's, that had nothing to do with her because she was great. It shows the condition of my heart. I was, I was shallow. I was looking for something that she wasn't supposed to provide for me. And I was all messed up. And I dated people for a lot of the wrong reasons, a lot of the wrong reasons. But when I met my wife, it was different. Meeting Jess was totally different than everybody else I'd ever met. And it's part of the reason that I knew from the moment I met my wife that, um, that she was that we were going to get married. I knew almost the minute I met her. Almost the minute I met her. Uh, we talked about marriage on night number two. That's, that's how our relationship went. And the reason is because as soon as I met her, it's as if God told me, this is your partner. This is my will for your life. And I wasn't even listening to him that closely at that point in my life, but he said it as clear as day, this is my will for your life. And so the proper motivation after we found the one, the proper motivation for going and finding the two is to say, I am searching for God's will for my life. I am searching for a spiritual partner. I'm searching for the person that I'm going to team up with and we're going to do life together and I'm going to push them spiritually and they're going to push me spiritually and we're going to grow and we're going to become one and we're going to do this thing together. And so I don't, if you're dating or if you're considering dating, I, I want you to stop and assess your motives. Why am I doing this? And I want to offer you a very specific, very specific challenge um, or directive maybe might be the word. If you are a follower of Jesus, do not under any circumstances date someone who is not also a follower of Jesus. I mean, actually following him. Uh, Paul, um, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness and what fellowship has light with darkness? If the, if the purpose of your life, the purpose of finding this person is to be a spiritual partner and to be a team and to point in the same direction, how could you do that with someone who's not pointed in the same direction as you now? You're, just, you're asking for it. Like, could things change later? Could they accept Christ later? Sure, that's possible. But I'll tell you that, that dating is not an evangelistic strategy that we see in Scripture, <laughs> All right. If you if you if you really meet someone that you think could be your partner, lead them to Christ first. If they genuinely accept him and not just because they want to go out with you, like, lead them to Christ first. And then you could start a relationship together. I watch, um, you know, like I, I watch Say Yes to the Dress, you know, like, 
Like, yeah, so, uh, I, mean, I mean, Jess watches it. And I'm in the room sometimes. And I watch shows like that, and the, the, the husband will be, or the groom will be Catholic, and the bride is Hindu. And I'm thinking, how in the world is that going to work? You know, what are you going to do? What are you going to, are, 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 you know, are you going don't, to, I don't even know how that works. How are you going to raise your kids? How, uh, how, could you, how could you enter into a lifelong relationship with each other when you don't even believe you're going to end up in the same place after you die? You know, so, so either one thing is going to happen. You're going to have constant conflict in your relationship or neither one of you are going to be as committed to your faith as you should be. So, so just don't do it. Don't even get, preach yourself in that situation. I know some of you might say, hey, again, water under the bridge. I'm, I'm in that situation now. I made that choice and we'll have things in the series that'll help to deal with that and talk about that too. But but just set things off right from the beginning. Uh, the great poet and author Maya Angelou said, a woman's heart should be so hidden in Christ that a man should have to seek him first to find her. I love that quote, and I think it goes the other way around. A, a man's heart should be so hidden in Christ that a woman should have to seek him to find him. That doesn't <laughs> Too many hymns. Anyway, all right. So um, anyway, that, so search for the spiritual partner. The third thing, you ready? And this is where we're going to get real serious and practical. You ready? Establish the physical boundaries. If you're going to date in the right way, you got to establish the physical boundaries. Because that is one of the things, at least culturally speaking, that separates being a friend from being a boyfriend or a girlfriend. So what's okay and what's not okay? That question gets asked all the time. Is hugging okay? Is, is holding hands okay? Is, is kissing okay? Open mouth, not open mouth, closed mouth, you know, is PDA okay? No, the answer is no to that one. Uh, is, is same siding okay, where we both sit on the same side of the booth when we go to a restaurant? Is that okay? What's okay? What's not okay? Everybody wants to ask that question, and, and let me help to answer, the, answer that question, and I think the answer might be a little different than what you're expecting um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 says, let, the marriage, or let marriage be held in honor among all. Whether you're married or whether you're single, let marriage be held in honor. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. That means that the marriage bed should be held in honor and undefiled, both when somebody is married and before they are married and after they're married. And so the actual, when you talk about boundaries, the physical boundary isn't actually a physical thing, okay? The physical boundary, where you set the physical boundary begins in your mind. Jesus said uh, that whoever even thinks about a woman lustfully has committed adultery with her in, his, in their heart. So this is not a physical issue as much as it is a mental and spiritual and heart issue. And so if you want to know where the physical boundary is, the physical boundary exists when what you're doing physically causes you to shift mentally from showing affection to sexual desire or lust. That's when you've crossed the physical boundary is when there's a change in your mind. And so I don't know exactly where that is for you, but I would recommend that you find it and that when you find it, you back up. Because you don't even want to flirt with it. You don't want to mess with it. People say, well, why is this is a big idea? Why is this a big deal? Sex or it's just a physical thing, isn't it? No, it is not. That's, that's the least of what it is. It, 
that physical relationship that a husband and wife are supposed to have is not a, I mean, it is physical, yes, but at its core, it is spiritual. It is the, it is the uniting of two people together. It's the confirmation of a covenant two people have made between them and God. And, and to do that outside of the, that covenant, that agreement that God has designed is to, to take or to steal or to rob from someone what is supposed to be for their spouse. And so don't even come close to the boundary. Don't even get close. So maybe it's a physical thing. Like, um, now if you're in a relationship, you have to talk about this out loud, verbally, and make agreements about what, where that line is. So maybe it's, it's, that, it's that physical thing and say, well, we're not going to, you know, we can hold hands, but that's it, or we can whatever. And you set that boundary and you agree on that boundary. Um, it might be actually where you go or where you don't go, because there are some situations that you can put yourself in where you end up in temptation, where it's easier to cross a line than in others. So it might be things like, hey, we're never going to go into each other's bedrooms. Hey, we're never going to be alone together. Um, I had a, a girlfriend in high school. We dated for two and a half years. And um, in two and a half years, we never crossed over any physical boundary um, that either one of us had set. And um, uh, the only thing we ever did was peck each other and kiss just a peck on, on the lips. That was, that was like the most that ever happened. And um, the reason is because we had conservative parents who set boundaries for us. They had a rule, her parents uh, in particular, had a rule that we could never be alone together. Ever. And then, um, so obviously I couldn't ever go to her room. And at my house, the rule was she couldn't ever be in in my in our bedroom yeah it's really hard to cross a physical boundary when your parents are sitting on the couch okay so so you can set up some boundaries for yourself that will protect yourself from crossing over those lines because sometimes in the heat of the moment you know how things get rolling and that's that's how stuff happens and so set up those boundaries and i want to say specifically to those of you who are still living in your parents house i'm gonna back them up on this okay they have every right to set those boundaries for you and you need to respect them because they love you. They're not trying to control you, and they're not trying to keep you from having any fun. They've seen some things that you haven't seen. They've done some things that you haven't done, and they're trying to protect you from some of the mistakes that they made or some of the mistakes that they've seen other people make along the way. So respect them now. Respect those rules now. They will respect you for that, and you will thank them later. I promise you for that. I am so thankful that my parents, even though I didn't like it, I am so thankful that my parents set those boundaries up for me because it kept me from crossing those lines with anybody who wasn't my wife. Now, when I left their house, I had to make decisions for myself. And that's when things got a lot harder for me and I made some mistakes. All right, so set those boundaries now. And I specifically want to say to, to the guys that are in the room that are single, you need to take the lead on this. You need to take the lead. If, if you want to be a leader in the family later, you need to be the leader in the family now. You need to be the leader in the relationship now. And so you need to set your boundaries, and I hope that your boundaries are more conservative than her boundaries. And if they're not, and you talk about it, and her boundaries are more conservative, well, guess what? Welcome to your new boundaries. <laughs> they're hers. You're going to respect what she wants. It is, but it is classic for guys to try to manipulate girls emotionally into doing things they don't want to do so that the guy can get what he 
want. So he says things like, if you really love me, you do this. Or, 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 you know what, if you don't do this, I'll go find somebody who will. And what you're doing is you're playing on those emotional needs that she has. And ladies, listen, you are susceptible to that when you're trying to expect him to be the one rather than God being the one. So when God is filling your needs for companionship and your needs for significance and your needs for security, and some guy comes to you and he says, well, I'll just take off and find someone who will. You can be like, later. <laughs> Good luck, you know? And, and, and I'll flip. So guys, don't do that, man. I just, you got to take the lead now. So don't be, be a prince on a horse, not a snake in the grass. How about that? Set the standards and hold, hold the relationship to them rather than pressing. And, and girls, I'm not going to let you off the hook because you got your own way. <laughs> you, got, you got your own way of manipulating and getting a guy to do certain things, right? Ever heard of Samson and Delilah? Oh, Samson. <laughs> that didn't end well. So, so establish, discuss, and respect each other's physical boundaries so you don't cross that line. It is spiritual piracy to take from someone what belongs to them and their future spouse. So don't do it, okay? Set those, set those boundaries, take the lead. And if you do that, and if you do the other two things that we talked about, if you, um, if you uh, get your mind right about marriage and you start your relationship with the one, if you um, search for a spiritual partner rather than having uh, poor motives for dating, and if you establish physical boundaries, it's really going to help you with this last one. Okay, number four, manage your emotional investment. Your, your level of emotional investment in the relationship should be proportional to the mutual commitment in the relationship. I can't tell you how many times I have seen people get crushed over relationships that ended when it was obvious to everyone who was watching that the other person wasn't committed at all to the relationship. Or, or to see people get emotionally crushed because a relationship ended that had just started. It, it, now, if you, when you start in a relationship, you need to hold that with a loose hand. And then as it becomes more and more committed, you become more and more emotionally invested in it. But if you haven't done those other things, like if you haven't established your relationship with the one, you'll get too emotionally invested in relationships now because you're trying to get from that person what God's supposed to give to you. If you don't have your mind right about marriage and what roles are, you'll get too emotionally invested in a relationship. If you, if you cross physical boundaries, you, that, that, will, that will lead you to very disproportionate emotional uh, connection in a relationship. And I want to speak specifically to the teenagers. I just want you to hear this where you are in life. There is no reason, because I've seen this, there is no reason you should be so emotionally invested in a relationship when you're in middle school or high school that you would consider suicide if it ended. No reason in the world. You've got your whole life ahead of you, and, and you should not be that invested in a relationship. And if you're finding your fulfillment from God, you, you won't be. Okay, you can, keep, you can keep perspective and proper emotional distance. One, one of the great things about this is about... Um, having your relationship in the one first, in Christ first, and having him fill those needs, it, it, it takes a whole lot of pressure off the, the two. It takes a whole lot of pressure off them. They don't have to be something they, they can't be or be someone they can't be. And it also helps you to keep this distance in the relationship so that you, when you realize that, hey, this thing needs to end maybe because it's not going the direction it needs to go, then you can say 
you can say that. You can make that decision without it crushing you and destroying you. And even if that person were to leave, if that person were to end the relationship, it wouldn't crush you because you've kept the right emotional distance in the relationship. Psalm 118 um, says, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. We need to be clear-headed when it comes to dating. And that's really only going to happen for you when Christ is the first one, when Christ is filling all of those needs for you. Now, I know um, some of you, you know, those of you that are single, man, you can get this right now. And I wish someone had told me this when I was single or uh, maybe, maybe more. I wish I had listened <laughs> when I was single. But I know if, for a lot of you, you look at this and you say, the problem for me is this is water under the bridge. This is, there's more of this in my rearview mirror than in my windshield. And I've made mistakes and uh, I've gotten into bad relationships and I've crossed physical lines and I've got, and now I have shame and now I have guilt and now I have regret and I carry all those things with me. And, and here's what I want you, I want you to hear again from Paul today as he's writing to his friend Timothy. He says, God's firm foundation stands uh, no, start in 20. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so just what I want you to hear today is that you can have a fresh start today. That if you take those things, whatever shame, whatever guilt or, or regret, whatever you have, if you take those things and you present them to the Lord and you ask him to forgive you for those things, he will, he will forgive you. And, and he will give you a, a new start, a fresh beginning. And you don't have to carry that shame with you and you don't have to carry that regret with you and you don't have to carry that, that grief with you anymore. You can lay it at his feet and embrace the greatest relationship, which is the one that you have with him. And then maybe get a fresh start on some relationships here on earth too. And those of you that are single now and it's, that water's out in front of you still, you can get this right. You can get this right now. And I don't know how, how much more uh, I could tell you to do this. And, the, and there's people across this room that would look at you, look at you square in the eye and say, get this, do this, get it right now so you don't have to carry this stuff with you later because it's a heavy burden. And so what I want to do is I want to pray. And then after the prayer, we're actually going to sing. Usually we dismiss. We're going to sing one more song after we're done. Um, Olivia's going to lead it. It's her due date today, by the way. So she has the baby during the last song. We're going to count one more in attendance. That's what we said. Um, but uh, so, so what I want to do is I just want to pray because I know, hey, we all have decisions to make. I look at my relationship and say, well, Jess and I didn't start right, okay? And I'm not going to go into detail, but we didn't start exactly right. And so um, it's made, it's, it's created issues in our relationship later. And so um, I'm working through those things and how we, can, how we can get things squared away. And so maybe you do too. Um, so let's pray together. God, I come to you and thank you um, for your love. I thank you that even though we, like we said, we turned our back on you, uh, you love us anyway. And um, I just ask God that, I guess more than anything, right now that you would make your love real to us. Because um, even, even as we talk about the fact that we were created for a relationship with you, 
and that you can give us everything that we need and fill all of our emotional needs for companionship and everything. Um, I know that I miss that a lot, and I know many other people in the room miss that a lot and say, well, that sounds really nice, but I don't necessarily feel that. And so I ask God that you would show each of us how we need to embrace you more and engage in the greatest romance, which is our relationship with you, uh, more passionately, whether we need to be um, reading more uh, in your word, whether we need to be praying more, whether we need to be serving people more, just how do you want us to connect with you? And, um, and I know that there, there, are some, um, there are some folks um, who haven't had a relationship with you ever, and they've been going and they've been looking at everybody else and trying to fill that with everybody else and every other relationship. And um, I just ask that you would uh, you'd show them now what they were created for. If that's you in the room, that you would realize today that you were created for a relationship with God, first and foremost. And everything else that you try to fill that with is going to come up short. But you can have a relationship with God today. All you have to do is turn to Jesus in faith. Believe in his death and resurrection. Ask forgiveness of your sin. You've got a new life today, a new start today. And you can build a relationship with him today. And then everything else can get built on top of that. But, but that's your starting point. And so tell him that today. Confess your sin. Ask forgiveness of your sin. Tell him that you, you have faith in Jesus Christ, and he'll fill you. And I ask for all of us that have made that decision before God that you would fill us with your spirit and, and give us all of those things that we need so we're not trying to find them somewhere else. For everybody in the room who's single, who's, who's looking for a companion for the rest of their life, a partner for the rest of their life, I pray, God, that you would center them on finding your will for the rest of their life. They'd set the right boundaries and parameters as they go on that journey. And that, God, you would reward that by sending them someone who can be their partner and be their teammate. And uh, for all of us who are on that journey now, I pray that you continue to guide us and show us how we're supposed to relate to each other in a way that's honoring to you and pulls us both closer to you. We're excited, and um, we just ask that you bless all the commitments that are made today. I ask that you help each person in the room to follow the path that you've laid out for them. It's in your name we pray. Amen.